0: Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future.
1: Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Jan Arp, founding managing partner at Holt Accelerator, the most active early stage fintech investor in Canada. Our subject, the state of fintech investing, nearly 12 months into the global pandemic. Jan, thanks for joining us.
0: Great honor to be here, thanks for having me.
1: So tell us, what is the current state of early stage investing in the Canadian market?
0: Sure, Uh, first I'd probably start by looking at what happened historically in any financial crisis. So 2008, I've seen some great figures by BBC, uh, the uh, Business uh, Development Canada, who put out some great numbers that show it fell to about 30 to 60% um, downwards from its, its previous capacity. I would say as we looked at the investments how we felt it felt about about half 50% of where it was running especially when we started the early days. Now what was occurring we saw a little bit of a, a slowdown in the interest for more innovative style startups uh, so less risk appetite in many ways and this affects in a couple facets first that's the early stage so the earlier worth investors if they are make still making investing prefer the later investments so early would be a so at least b and above uh on the other side of the uh, protection against early stage innovation side of things you know just less risky appetites when it comes to more disruptive uh blue ocean sort of style bets so we just start to see a slowdown there um i would say that if we we were in previous years. If we looked at the um, the 2008 financial crisis, the number of exits would slow down or the number of big rounds. Surprisingly in Canada though, and it could have just been a matter of time as Canada has been um, having, diff- we've asked herself the question, when were some unicorns emerge? We've really kind of seen them pop up in, in the last year during COVID in fact, and maybe even helped propel it. So some great examples of bigger rounds or uh, exits, uh, where, whether it be Verifin and, um, or, or Shopify and Lightspeed. So cybersecurity related or kind of online commerce style stuff did sort of support this way of new companies and, you know, unicorns 10 years in the making type of thing. So uh, I, think, I think that gives a little bit of a, a lay down of what's sort of happening in the early stage ecosystem. We are expecting a bit of a rebound now and opening as the economy comes in. And we already felt that. So it felt as about a 50% capacity, but we are seeing a bit of return to about maybe 80%. We're not quite there as we're not fully through the, through the woods yet, uh, but we do expect a prolonged uh, waiting period before fully investing properly the, into the, the seed and the early stage investing side of things
1: so some decline in in volume some decline in risk appetite but a bunch of unicorns have nevertheless uh, um, bounded forward so what opportunities are attracting the most interest now and why are they you mentioned cybersecurity for example <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great example. I think any pandemic brings out a, a certain amount of of fraud, a surge and increase in fraudulent related activities. We're actually seeing a lot of it has to do with those uh, after sort of the the nine to five sort of working hours, sort of wondering, you know, a blue collar style uh, crime that's being uh, committed, but a surge in activity here. Uh, in doing so, therefore. An increase in those that can have tools to prevent fraud. I mean, I'll give you an example from our portfolio. Owl.co is a great example. It's helping. It's more on, on the insurance and fraud related. What it does is with just your name, it can get up to say 70 data points on yourself, but they've seen a surge in their revenues. They went from 1 million in revenues to 4 million in, in six months and really kind of, plowed and, and move forward very quickly. So we do expect and seeing more in the, and there's this 2021 year we're hearing a lot of the banks talk increasingly more and more about cybersecurity. Yes. Cybersecurity is agnostic and it can serve many different industries, but in banking where that data is incredibly rich, the fines are high and feels like, you know, almost up to 50% of any, any year that you're going to get fined to some extent, uh, banks are paying more and more attention to the, to the cybersecurity front. There's a suite of other ones uh, that are very interesting, uh, especially with re- respect to the times that we're in. Um, you know, we, we had already kind of staked a claim and thought about supply chain actually at the beginning of the year last year. And I think that trend is going to continue into this year, uh, you know, specifically in, in, in ag finance, which is sometimes separated from the typical banking infrastructure. It's its own department in its own world. Uh, other areas that we find interesting, tech, I think was an area, I mean, if we can call that part of the fintech umbrella, uh, it, one for which is probably roughly 10% more left of, of, of the overall uh, fintechs that are out there globally, but an industry for which was probably lagging the banking sector from our perspective. We know the banking sector was already lagging other sectors, probably anywhere from three to five years behind in in, in many cases, Uh, but now able to view how the banking sector had adopted things like it brought in FinTechs and, and, and best practices. And they're starting to, to, to do that. We've actually seen that. So we've actually placed several bets last year. And we think that trend is certainly going to continue as there's an appetite from the from the big insurance carriers to start working in more with um, different insure tech, um, Sorry, yeah, InsurTech products.
1: Now we've seen governments do a great deal to prop up the traditional economy, if you like. What specifically is the Canadian government doing to encourage FinTech investors to continue putting money into the sector?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, the start of it has been, so the Canadian government has always been actively involved in, in supporting industry. And so I'll back up maybe a little bit to show you some of the stuff. So, you know, a couple of years back, they had started with a, an AI program, for instance. It was an AI national strategy. And a lot of that was about, um, you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars that went into it, which is decent for the size of the Canadian population of roughly uh, close to 40 million, 37 million-ish that um, was more about the training that next wave of talent to prepare them but in doing so other super cluster funding started to pop up uh, and for it was able to you know uh, corporations and even uh, startups were able to apply for funding to support their AI initiatives that were that that, that were occurring um, you know other areas that we saw was open banking so let' let's saw let's how that was flowing right in terms of policy initiatives you could be a great catalyst to help uh, support and you know let's build this new infrastructure, these new rails to help so that we can build more competitive ecosystem to stimulate the economy in many ways, but that got pushed on the back burners, especially when it first started. Now we did just go through finally another round of, so we already had a round of consultations prior to the, to the crisis, At the end of the year, we finally did another one in December. And so they brought together a think tank of different individuals and talked about over a series of six sessions and talked about some key aspects of that you know, really hoping that we might move there to get to a point which, you know, we saw in Europe do so well, set a date and get everyone to get, you know, get um, aligned and get their APIs all ready for that. So a little bit behind there, you know, we've seen other things in Canada, like the Vicky program. So this is a stimulus Uh, Kind of mandated through the government side, to at first there's been numerous of them. So there's there's been at least a a couple of them, and we're heading on to the third. But the first one was really with the government coming in and and, and mandating banks to actually invest into a vehicle so that they can um, you know invest into funds that can invest into the startup ecosystem, right? So we were always asking ourselves, (laughs) how do we better? foster the VC ecosystem here. So uh, we needed to find a way to kind of get government intervention to create a more competitive environment in this story. So we did a first one, then a second one came and didn't mandate the financial institutions do it, they could participate if they so wanted. But now we're talking up the rumor mill now of a third one that would come in, you know, post COVID to, you know, better stimulate the economy to come back to normal. That said, it's, it's challenging times. Like, much of the government focus, yes, has been about getting involved to, to support um, companies that could be struggling right now. We've seen companies go from great revenues, series B type, so you know tens of millions of dollars to zero, right? Overnight. And we've seen that with the airline industry, among others. Um, so how can we you know, support those and keep those afloat until the economy is going to return to some form of normalcy? But at some point we're also asking the question, okay, what can we do to uh, help create these new jobs and growth prospects as well? I'd say that a lot of the decisions started going through the ministry of health uh, and making sure, especially in the early days, and it's still, it's still occurring this way. Uh, But the question being, of course, is well, what role can fintech play in all this? Beyond, if you if you ask me, in many ways, there's no better way to protect ourselves, and then and then to then to be able to quarantine and remain ice, you know, further away, and have digital payments that occur. So fintech is an instrumental part to our health practices as we're able to keep our distance, but also to to stimulate and generate the economy as we go forward. So that's a little bit of a rundown of some of the initiatives that were underway.
1: As you say, it's challenging times. Uh, the VC industry has uh, come under, under pressure, like every every part of the economy. To what extent have your selection criteria changed? Or maybe a better way of putting this, what are the selection criteria you're actually using now in picking VC investments?
0: I would say, you know, when we every year we look at the, the key semantics that we want to go after. So we kind of pick 10. Uh, we have a database of 10,000 fintechs. We do our research in those fields. We understand the competitive positioning, and we kind of go after it. It's it's now. How much does that move? You know, we're we're also a VC super early stage. So if we're following the exact trends of today, then we're probably going to be investing in something that's already been done, type of thing. So we're trying to be even ahead of the curve in many ways, uh, where 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 possible. Uh, You know, so every year what we would do is we'd pine those thematics. So let's just say uh, like there's a specific one, like there's 10,000 fintechs, but there's maybe, you know, a thousand or so or a couple thousand in insure tech. And then you can go sub segments of that, right? And and, and so to to a point where you get to a hundred or so in a key field, right? A key area that we want to play in and go after. We target those um, companies and then they apply. So that's already a, a key sort of filtering mechanism. Another piece to this is we have 400 advisors, right? And those advisors are financial institutions, investors are experts. And so we learn what they like because they always give us feedback. You know, that's that's the way that we, we, put, we bring them deal flow and we try to reward them, but we track what they're saying so that we can get them better deal flow that way. Why that's important is that we try to really assess fit, fit within our ecosystem because through this is the, the the belief and the the, the thesis of, of that if we can do this we can accelerate deals to happen more quickly for the more advanced teams and also de-risk some of those who are struggling to kind of get by to get them um, you know customers and, and their support mechanisms investors when, when, when they need it but the big picture of the the way that we still look at uh, companies always remains the same uh you know we look at a company through their market and and the, the size of the market and their ability to go to market and how excited those customers are to, to adopt the product uh, we'll look at it through the financing side of things and how their, their cash flow situation and their ability to raise financing, but it's generally a combination of other factors that that get them to their financing milestone, uh, which also include um, the product side and product roadmaps and the, how the system architecture and, and how complicated and are they using AI and, 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 and um, how it's being used as a moat to serve their customers. Uh, and lastly, and most importantly, I would say team, right? You're super early companies they're going to, there's gonna be a lot of pivoting uh can this team execute does it know how and um so those are the kind of lens that we look at but i said the bone and i think you could argue that many vcs do that but it, but the but the caveat being how does it fit with our with our existing ecosystem so that we can add value and support them
1: yeah no thank you very much
0: pleasure to be here as always and uh thanks so much for for the time